Let's get ready to jerk the curtain! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. See you later, Mr. Sacco. What it is is what it is. Rest in peace. Is the best there was or the best there ever will be. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Jerk the Curtain podcast, a rush of madness and mania. This is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my tag team partner, the Mid-South Maniac, Corey Kaufman. Well, let me tell you something, brother. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good, man. So, Corey, how, yes. how are you doing, buddy? Oh, man, super busy, super pumped. Um, I didn't even have any energy drinks today, but um, I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if it's because of Father's Day, so happy early Father's Day you uh Thank first you. off and foremost same to you. um yeah so i'm looking forward to what tomorrow holds other than us releasing a podcast that all the dads out there can listen to and all the other uh jerk the curtain maniacs out there Woo! exactly no but it's it's going great man how was how was your week how was your day specifically how was your day my day was not that eventful did a lot of work today uh but this week was pretty cool Recorded a fuck ton of podcasts, and we dropped the new Rabbit Hole podcast this morning. Yes, you did. I mean, I listened to that today. That was something interesting to listen to. Girl Scouts in <laughs> the bus. <laughs> Dude, yeah, no, for real. It was great to listen to, and I was painting, so I had all kinds of goodness going on. Nice. So um, it helped me get through it. But you guys, man, never heard so much laughing in my life. So that's good, though. I mean, it sounded like good. Uh, really, it just sounded really good, man. It sounded like everything was awesome. Come for the bunny, stay for the funny. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's so beautiful. It is. Uh, but just before we get into the show here, a little friendly reminder that the Jerk the Curtain podcast is part of the Do Back Discussion podcast network featuring other great podcasts such as the Do Back Discussion podcast, your source for Star Wars news, theories, and reviews. The Hall of Heroes podcast, your source for comic book news, theories, and reviews. The Goran Moore podcast, your source for horror movie reviews and interviews. The Rabbit Hole podcast featuring Mick Strawn and TJ Bowser, where each week they venture down the proverbial rabbit hole about a different topic. And of course, the Jerk the Motherfucking Curtain podcast, hosted by yours truly and the Mid-South Maniac. Corey? Yes. <laughs> Pay attention. Uh, I am, but I'm not supposed to say anything. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and you can find all those on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, and also on dobackdiscussion.net, your source for everything fandom, pop culture, nerdiness. Make it your homepage. Stay up to date. We have five podcasts now, people, syndicated on a radio station in Scotland. We- <laughs> <laughs> we are Scotland! <laughs> uh, we're, we're that level. Uh, thank you to each and every one of you listeners out there that support us. We have 110 jerk the curtain. We, uh, we have 110 jerk-offs that listen. 
Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. That's it. You just coined the term right there. Jerk offs. <laughs> that listen every week. Uh, Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm a proud jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> but to get into this week's wonderful match review, let's start it off with the promo for the pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> every night is Halloween. There's no way. <laughs> there's so much to talk about just in that okay <laughs> like that's awesome <laughs> so the match we're talking about today is from halloween havoc from 1997 which is a wcw production and it is Rey mysterio versus eddie guerrero uh happening on october 26 1997 uh it was a title versus mask match for the wcw cruiserweight championship now before we get into discussing the match even further huh. let's talk a little bit excuse me for that burp a bit just drank a bunch of diet coke uh, <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> and let's talk a little bit more about the pay-per-view itself uh the first match the the curtain jerker as you will was how do you say these names you want me to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yaji Nagata. What? Well, now here's the thing. I'm going to, I think I would just like to defer. I want to hear you say them all. You know, honestly, okay. I think, With you know. Sonny Ono defeated Ultimo Dragon by submission. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. <laughs> ultimate, ultimate what? Dragon. <laughs> just, just. <laughs> I would just say dragon. I think it's spelled correctly. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, because the little umlaut yes, thing over the O. Yes. Dragon. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's awesome. Well, real quick, right there. I mean, I don't know. I remember Eugene Nagata. I remember Sony Ono. He was like a you know manager of everybody. Uh-huh. Um, Ultimo Dragon. Awesome. So, yeah, that was the first match. The second one was Chris Jericho, Jericho versus Guido. I think it's Guido, honest yeah. to God. Okay. Rey Mysterio <laughs> versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Alex Wright Alex. Uh, defeated Steve McMichael. It was Alex Wright with Deborah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he was, re- he was replacing um, – oh, man, he was replacing Jeff Jarrett, who just jumped ship and went back to WWF at the time. Oh, shit. Uh, Jacqueline yes. defeated Disco Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> Intergender singles match. Kurt Henning defeated Ric Flair by disqualification for the mm-hmm. WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Lex Luger defeated Scott Hall with six by submission. Mm-hmm. With Larry Zabowski. Larry Sabisco. Sabisco as guest referee. Uh, the Macho Man with Miss Elizabeth defeated DDP in a Las Vegas sudden death match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Roddy Rowdy Piper defeated Hollywood Hogan by submission in the steel cage match. I, I don't want to talk about that. That's bullshit. Okay, that's why we're not talking about that match. I did that. I didn't like how that match ended. I was a I'm a Hollywood fan, so my bad. Whatever. <laughs> so talk. What's the first topic, Kaufman? No, you have something to say, don't you, about this surrounding this? Well, match. that's 
No, you know, and that's the thing. Okay, so we could, you know, talk about it. What's interesting leading up to this point is, um, and we're going to talk about you know, the discussion topics and everything on how this, uh, the Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero match went down. But I'd like to start off with uh, letting everyone know, I mean, with how this match ended, and you'll, you know, hear about it, um, it ended in a different way than what was originally planned. Um, but they did end up swapping uh, the decision before the match. Um, I'll put it this way. And, you know, Eric Bischoff was running the show, um, obviously in the nineties. Uh, and it was kind of noted that, um, during this match that Ray was supposed to drop the mask. Like that's exactly how it was supposed to go down. And, uh, to put it bluntly, like, <laughs> he was super worried. You're, you're looking at maybe this is, I think the ninth time he's had to defend his mask. Um, like, wrestling period not just wcw it might have been the third or fourth time in wcw um but ninth time in his career he's had to to defend the mask uh (laughs) and he was worried about it i know that much and uh, i read you know a couple excerpts uh way back about uh you know he's really good friends with conan and uh conan used to you know wrestle as a masked uh luchador and he lost a match and had to pull his mask whatever and Conan actually told Rey Mysterio not to show up to this match. No shit. <laughs> and uh, that's the real crazy part. Conan's like, no, bro. You know, however he talks, I don't want to try to badger how he talks. But he was probably like, no, man, you know, you need to just screw it. Stay at home. This now and make this. that sound well, more Mexican, please. Do you want me to? Yeah, please. Just make it as, as like his. <laughs> it's going to end up sounding like a Cheech and Chong episode. Do it. You know? Do it. Um, no, I, I can just imagine because, like, hey, man, listen real close, okay? I don't want you to go here and because and, you might lose, you're going to lose the mask, man. And that's that's like your, you know, that's you, man. And so I figured, you know, <laughs> that's that's terrible. Um, and he told him not to go. Uh, and it came down to, uh, I think Eric caught wind of that, called Ray and said, hey, if you don't show up, you're in breach of contract. We'll just fire yeah. you. Yeah. So, so I throw that out there and there's a lot more to it and you'll, I'll probably throw it out towards the end too about some other things about this match, but, um, that's how it all started out. So Ray didn't even want to show up. Conan was telling him not to show up, um, because the whole heritage thing, you know, Ray's kind of been under the mask for a long time and, uh, you know, the rest, I think I'll just, I'll just t- touch on as we go through the discussion topics. So that's just a, a quick background leading up to this awesome match. So. For sure. So, uh, what's the first one? Was uh, was the entrance entrances hype? Not really, because we didn't get to see them on the matches that we saw. Dude, I went through like (laughs) eighteen videos, you know, and even tried to look through some network uh, WWE network stuff. Um, And honestly, around that time, if you were the big A list stars, your interests didn't really matter. Um, You had some really generic ass music. and uh, you couldn't really tell how, you know, into it the crowd was because the, you know, most of the time the commentators are talking over the whole entrance. Their entrances were short anyways. It wasn't like the WWF, WBE stuff where the entrance ramp was like a mile and a half long. It's literally like maybe 20 feet. Um, so, yeah, I, I guarantee the entrances weren't that in particular, but that's only because the only hype would have been the crowd, but it would have been overpowered by the announcers anyways. Did the match have good flow? TJ? Yes. Okay, that's your answer. It was very fast-paced cruiserweight action. Oh, yeah. 
dude, there's that's the cool <laughs> that's the cool thing that compared to heavyweights, man. They this don't take breathers. Accurate really representation don't. of why the why the WWE was failing at this time. Uh, well, the WWF at the time. Why it was failing, especially in the cruiserweight and the mid card area, is because they didn't have this type of programming. They didn't have these type of wrestlers. No. They tried with the light heavyweight division, and that failed epically. That was terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a perfect example of how good the cruiserweight division was back in the late nineties for the WCW. Oh, sure, absolutely. And this, and then pretty the points. I mean, these guys being mid low carters you know and, and really young at the time too but being in the industry so long i mean it was god they were so cool to watch you know and i know i know some people just watched it for you know between wcw and wbf at the time i mean people just you know would try to just follow the big names but it was names like this and that have you know daunted history that they were fun to watch back then they're even more fun to watch now because of knowing what it all meant to the industry so was the match believable I think so. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think so too. It, it. I mean, you didn't have to worry about selling punches because they didn't really punch each other. I yeah. mean, you had flips in and out of the ring. I mean, like, if you've seen how they landed on mats and barricades and each other, and I'm like, I don't know how you're like, oh no, he, uh, he didn't, he missed him. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he landed on him. So I mean, it, to me, super believable, easily. Agreed. Uh, favorite moment of the match? Your turn. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Eddie had the upper hand mo- for most of the match. Oh, yeah. Uh, I-, I like it whenever Eddie like rips his fucking head back and like starts ripping his fucking mask at the eye hole. Yeah, I mean, that was, you talk about being believable. I was like, oh, that's how it's, I mean, you could see a good chunk of Ray's face, you know, like his hairline, his eyebrow, his cheek. And I was like, I I don't think that was planned. (laughs) I think they were just making it up as they go just to really sell it. What was your favorite moment? Man, I got a couple. Uh, My favorite moment was, all. I mean, I had a couple because they were all move related. Um, The first move that stood out to me uh, probably would be the, I, I think, I think they called it, it was weird. Cause I wouldn't know what the hell to call it was, was it almost looked kind of accidental, but it was a spring, what, how'd they say it? Springboard backflip DDT. Yes. And I was like, that's an actual move. I was like, <laughs> that wasn't available in any of the old wrestling played to put in my match or in my, uh, arsenal of moves. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was, it's, and Ray was able to make that so fluid. It looked I don't know. I guess it was on purpose, but I was like, how the fuck do you practice that? You don't. But um, <laughs> I think like, I'm just going to flip and then I'm going to hold his head and boom on the mat. But I thought that was awesome. Like, honestly. Um, but then there was another, uh, the other awesome part to me was um, it was the first time I ever seen him. And it's weird watching, knowing what he's known for now at the 619 and leading up to the, like how he sets people up for 619 nowadays. But there was a moment in that match where it basically looked like he was setting Eddie up for the 619. He did that thing where he went through the ropes and did like a a drop kick missile, drop kick thing, but through the middle ropes. Yes. And he was getting ready to bounce off, but he ended up doing like some other move or missed it. But I was like, essentially, that's the early days of 619. That's pretty badass too. You know, just to see some remnants of what would end up becoming, what, uh, 20 years later? No, 
I don't know what year it is. Yeah. 20 some years later, um, the 619. So I, those two instances for me were badass. I just thought that was so cool to see that kind of history in the making kind of situation. Absolutely. Uh, shittiest moment. Mine would be the ending. <laughs> that it had to end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with him just like rolling over him and like, I don't like the way that he got the upper hand suddenly at the end after getting his ass kicked for the entire <laughs> match. <laughs> well, and I'll, um, I'll touch on that here in a second and tell you why. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, I would, I would kind of agree that this part match for, for me, maybe the match had to end. Uh, I know the match was just under 14 minutes long, uh-huh. which for that night, I think was the tight or it was like fourth or fifth longest match out of nine matches. Um, it definitely wasn't the shortest, but those two guys weren't warranted a short match. Uh, but if I had to say shittiest moment, which I thought was kind of the dumbest commentary moment was during the match was when they were talking about, I think Tony Giovanni was talking about, Oh, well, before Ray Mysterio ever got his mask, he was known as Calibri, the humming. And I go, why would you bring this up? And Bobby, the brain, he even says the, the hummingbird. Like, like he was like, why the hell are we bringing this up? Um, so for me, it was actually, it wasn't a, a match moment in terms of between Eddie and Ray, but it was a commentary moment. They basically made, just the way they discussed it made Ray to sound like he was, you know, Hey, before he got the mask, he was known as the humming. I would never want to be known as that ever. Um, so that's the shittiest part of the match for me. If you can believe that was a commentary. moment. So Okay. Uh, what's the next one? Finisher. All right. Uh, finisher count two. Now see, here's my problem with that. I didn't, in terms of a finisher count, I have no clue. I don't, there was finisher, maybe some signature moves, but in terms of what I'm thinking, they're finishing. No finishers, brother. Only signature moves. Well, and you got to remember some of the kids these days might not understand that. There's the cool a difference night? between signature moves and finishers. <laughs> signature moves is kind of what they're known for, and the finishers is kind of well, what they're known well, for, but not as much. Is, is the is the signature finisher correct? The finishers, the si- no, the signatures you can do more than once. The, the, the finish is what you do before you pin them. Before you finish them, the finish them off. You jerk them. You finish them. <laughs> So no, there was no finishers. <laughs> uh, was there any blood? No. Uh, was there what? any match interference? No. Uh, was the crowd <laughs> fired up? Yes. yes. They were all because like, I, "Oh my god, Guerrero versus Mysterio! It's exciting!" The yeah. only thing you heard throughout sucks. <laughs> so <that's, laughs> they were fired up, but that's because, and it's only because. That's it. That is the only reason. But they were they were very much into it for not being a, uh, a predominant part of that show. But I think it turned out to be obviously the best part of the show. So was the match outcome fair? <laughs> no, fuck that. It didn't make sense. Eddie whooped his ass the whole fucking time. And then at the end, Rey Mysterio is like, I'm going to do some flips and shit, pan him, and it's going to be over. Like, no, I just got cheated out of 14 minutes of my life. But whatever. So, well, okay. So, see, here's the thing. 
Um, before you give it a match rating, I want you to consider this. So was the outcome fair? Not for what Eddie put into it, but here's the continuation from the story I kind of let off with. Um, so when Eric told Ray, if you don't show up, you've breached your contract and said, basically, I'll fire you. Ray showed up. Um, but when he showed up, uh, let's see, who was it? Dusty Rhodes came up to him and said, hey, the outcome's changing. So you're not dropping the match. Eddie's dropping the match and you're going over the, You're going over. So, um, and I think, <clears throat> and at the time, Ed, same agent, which in WCW was pretty common. It was Arn Anderson. So Arn came over, you know, and said, yeah, be nervous. Here's what we're going to do. And then Eddie picked it up and said, look, shut up and listen to me. He goes, we're going to do exactly what we discussed we were going to do previous, but I'm going to put you over and that's exactly what happened. So the match itself worked the way it was supposed to, except the ending. So that's why Eddie was so predominant, but also Eddie was kind of helping Ray. You know, Eddie was the, what do you want to call him? Um, the more experienced one. Yeah. So he was going to put Ray over, but I think a lot of that was, you know, and, do, and that's why it looked like, because he did. So, um, but in terms of it being fair, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty biased knowing what I know about it, uh, which, you know, kind of sucks, but I thought it was fair. I knew you would say it didn't seem fair, but that's just because Eddie put in all the work, but fair for what it is fair, you know? Okay. Uh, so take, so take that and now make your rating. What was your match rating? And are we doing it out of five? 3.2 out of five. Out of five? 3.2? Yeah. God, I hate you. <laughs> what What are you giving it? That was higher than the last match we did. <laughs> so, um, no, for me, um, because I'm definitely not a higher uh, body shape, yeah. I was kind of excited to watch it. Um, and honestly, I give it a 4.8 out of 5. Okay, and that is a even 4 for the Jerk the Curtain match rating. For life. And we are back with the weekly throwback promo. This is a Ric Flair classic. Enjoy. Pandemonium in the ring, and obviously the heat is on. Thank <laughs> you. 
that Ronnie Garvin became the world champion. What would you do, Garvin? Be on the cover of field street? Hi, Garvin! Would you ride down the road with that golden retriever? You call a woman and talk to her? Huh? Would you go fishing? Would you wow. sit in the corner bar with all the other rednecks drinking beer, talking about being the champ? Come on, pal. Dreams are meant to be exactly what they are. A dream reality. It's custom-made clothes, limousines, beautiful women, long blonde hair, styling and profiling, Rolex watches, yes, and any woman the four horsemen want, just like that. You see, Garvin, you're living a dream. Happy for you. God bless you. Everybody <laughs> needs to have something to live for each day. But you, in reality, are never, ever going to be able to say you are the world champion. You're never, ever going to be able to say you beat Slick Rich. You're never going to be able to put this in your old pickup truck your blue jeans and your cowboy boots and your cut-off t-shirt and try to tell anybody, much less yourself, that you're the world champion. You see, Ronnie Garvin, <laughs> you gotta be born a champion. You gotta have it inside. You gotta feel it, live it, breathe, and be prepared to die for it. You gotta make the assault on life itself. That's why some people think I've lost it. I haven't. What I've done is I've had it all. It's been mine. This is mine. It'll be mine my entire life. Woo! The world champion, Ric Flair. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> He's such a nutcase. Man. I mean, dude, I, honestly, in that time, in, in between NWA and WCW, him and Dusty Rhodes has, has cut some of the most honest, scary, intense promos of everyone you can think about. Yeah. For sure. Wow. Man, I, no wonder he's had as many surgeries and heart issues as he's had. That's all I know. That's So for this day in wrestling history, we did some fucking research for once. And that. what was it? 20? No, what did we say? No, 22 years ago on this uh, day. Uh, hold on. Which one? WCW, uh, the Great American Bash happened. Twenty, I think that was twenty years ago. Twenty, twenty-two. It's twenty-two. It's twenty-nineteen. Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so nostalgic over press now that I don't remember what year. I don't even care what year it is, like currently. So, and in that match, it was in Illinois. Uh, attendance Woo-hoo! was nine thousand six hundred and thirteen. That happened on a Sunday on June 15th, 1997. It was a pay-per-view promotion for WCW at the time. Uh, the, the curtain jerker was the Ultimo Dragon defeating Psychosis. 
Uh, the next match was Booker T and Stevie Ray versus Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner with them winning. Yeah. Conan defeated Hugh Morris. <laughs> Humorist. I <laughs> love that name. Glacier defeated Wrath. <laughs> did you ever did you ever look those two guys? Yes, up? I did. They're the, aren't those both the uh those are, Mortal Kombat? Those characters? are Mortal Yeah, those are <laughs> WCW's Glacier's like, hey. intro cost four hundred thousand dollars. Isn't that crazy? They had snow yeah. falling. Yes. He had laser lights, and I remember, dude, he had the same Mortal Kombat esque promo and his bleach blonde crew. It was like it was like if you took early '90s Sting and put him in a glacier costume. That's wow. exactly what it was. Now you have some information about the next match, the middle card match. Oh yeah, man, that match was straight up weird. Okay, so that is Akira Haku- I'm gonna say her name wrong. Hakuto. With Sony Ono again uh, as his as, as her manager uh, defeating Medusa. Now this was a title versus career match, um, which was interesting. This was after uh, not too long after Medusa had jumped ship from WWF with her women's title and went to WCW, threw it in the trash, and they kind of unknowingly crowned her WCW Women's Champion because WCW really didn't have a women's division at the time. Um, but uh, I think Medusa did hurt her knee during the match. And uh, I think Akira hit her with a brain buster, picked up the, you know, the victory. And ho- however, it was weird because um, so Medusa lost. <laughs> so she was done. Uh, Akira, you know, got the title, but then Akira got let go like either later that day or that week. So technically Akira Hakudo became the only Women's champion, like WCW women's champion, especially the only one to actually win a match to win the championship. And then she was let go. And I think WCW pretty much can the women's division. That's that's why, you know, WCW did really well with the uh, the cruiserweight or sorry. Yeah. You know, the cruiserweight stuff. But not so but, well with the women. No, they, <laughs> they're like, hey, we're going to bring Medusa over. And that, and then next thing, it, all, most of the women that were involved in WCW were just managers period. But that allowed the WWF to definitely pick up where they dropped off on that because their lightweight division sucked. And, but they picked up some women's stuff and that's when they did start doing all their very risque, uh, body paint wearing matches (laughs) in the WWF. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there because that, that was such a weird instance. And it was the only time really that the WCW women's championship was actually relevant or part of the actual, uh, you know, Yes. Situation. So the next match was a death match between Chris Benoit defeating Meng. Meng, one of the what barbarians? Yes. Uh yeah. The next one was Kevin Green versus Steve McMichael. And I don't know either of these people. <laughs> I do. Well, Steve McMichael, it was one of the originally one of the uh well not originally, but he became one of the four horsemen. He was one of those football players transferred over into wrestlers and became one of the the late 90s four horsemen like with Chris Benoit and Ric Flair and and Arn Anderson so he became one of those guys for a temporary temporary night now Kevin Green same kind of situation he was kind of like uh (laughs) he was kind of like Goldberg before Goldberg but Uh, not as popular so another NFL star so it was basically NFL versus NFL type match okay uh the match after that was Kevin Nash and Scott Hall yeet skeet Versus Ric Flair and Roddy Piper defeating them in 10 minutes. And that was for the WCW World Tag Team titles. Some of the best tag team ever. I love those guys as a tag team. They just, they worked well. Mm -hmm. Their attitudes and everything. 
And then the headliner was the Macho Man defeating DDP in a Falls Count. DDP. I've never watched this. Have you seen this specific match? I've seen some of it. I mean, it was one of those things that, I mean, there wasn't too much, you know, it was a Falls Count Anywhere match. So a lot of it kind of, you know, and Miss Elizabeth did her thing. Um, but you had the cool part of that. I mean, that was really when Randy had Miss Elizabeth like buried in his corner in WCW. And that's when Kimberly kind of jumped from the Nitro girls to just being in Diamond Dallas Pages' corner, like for most of his matches, you know, in the mid 90s. And uh, so, you know, the women got into it a little bit, but I mean, the match was what the match was, you know, Scott Hall hit the outsider's edge on page and that's kind of, you know, um, it, but, you know, uh, <laughs> Scott Hall was involved uh, and then Savage hitting his awesome elbow smash in the top rope. And then that was <laughs> it. So, so it did involve some interference, but it happens. I mean, NWO for life. That's what it was. So <laughs> that's how it went down. So, yeah, that I think that's all we have for today. Damn, okay, that went way too to, fast, man. Unless you want to talk about any of this news. Yeah, I think so. Well, where's your little uh... <laughs> news, sucker? Where's the, Where's your little I news? I couldn't find there? that much news for this week. I know, man. I mean, there there wasn't too terribly much i guess other than, i guess there's a lot of wwe wrestlers jumping ship to aew for big well there's a lot of talk but that's because everyone keeps talking apparently to uh batista for their new wrestling news and information um i you know he had like one match in the last six years and they're going to like i literally every time i hear about wrestling news batista's name would is you tacked like to read it. the like, history of thumbtacks and wrestling i've never didn't know there was such a thing there's a history behind it? Yep. Please, I, enlighten me. I will send this to you. Or do you want me to read it? Just read it. Might as well read it. I mean, you know. So, e-wrestling news reports. Ultraviolet wrestling uses every weapon you can think of in order to put on the craziest, <laughs> bloodiest, most entertaining matches on the planet. Most of the time, it's about big stuff. Tables, chairs, light tubes, ladders, baseball bats, but sometimes the smallest weapons can be the most effective. This is the story of the thumbtack. Bum, 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 bum. As most of the weapons in wrestling, no one seems to be able to agree on the first use thumbtacks. In order to get a bit of an answer, I took to Twitter. From my research, it seemed that the first official thumbtack match took place on August 20th, 1995. <laughs> I needed proof, though, so I asked one of the men involved in the match, Mick Foley. He confirmed it for me for a long time that he was, oh shit, and a long gone that the match in IWA Japan was indeed the first thumbtack match to ever take place. Technically, it was the first match to ever use the use of thumbtacks in the match name. And I have a pit of thumbtacks as we're now used to seeing, but it wasn't the first match to use thumbtacks. Earlier that summer, over EC Dub, Ian Rotten faced <laughs> off with Axel Rotten. When I oh, yeah. Taipei Death Match! Uh, since everyone was focused on the shards of broken glass, many failed to report, uh, people failed to realize that, that m this much had thumbtacks, thus making it the first to do so. What's important, though, is just how something starts and what you do with it afterwards. In CZW, the first time that Thumbtacks will be in the name of a match was back in Extreme 8 on June 28, 2003. But it... Oh, fuck my voice. But it wasn't just any Thumbtack match. 
It was a barbed wire thumbtack baseball bats match. What the fuck? <laughs> Is that a thing? I didn't even know. I just say hardcore match. As if point. putting thumbtacks on a baseball bat wasn't enough here at CZW, we innovated once again. In a cage of death, five suspended the brainchild of John Zandig. An entire ring was filled with thumbtacks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to read all that. All the thumbtacks are still named in multiple and match stipulations to this day. They are often thought as just extra seasoning for a match like the salt and pepper. For instance, why <laughs> back body drop your opponent when you can do the same back body drop on thumbtacks? Why super kick them when you can super kick them Why they have a mouthful of thumbtacks? They, <laughs> Oh, my God. They even get built into the structure of matches such as Tournament of Death. Rewind when the casket in a Transylvania death match was filled with thumbtacks. To, to prove my point on a how thumbtacks are everywhere, one of the men that in the match was Thumbtack Jack. <laughs> I, I, just, I just read that name and I about died when I read that. <laughs> Ironically, though, he used syringes, not thumbtacks, as opposed to many other weapons oh, used in God. matches such as the tried and true steel chair. The thumbtack is only about 23 years old. That does, however, mean the thumbtacks in wrestling are older than me. Wrestling as an entry moves so fast as the point thumbtacks are seen as, as ancient. Innovation occurs so quickly no one sees thumbtacks as absolutely insane. Smart, small, sharp objects that pierce the body hundreds of times are now seen as normal, as in the wrestling industry, and is that possible? People expect new content and new usages of items such as the last one happens at Kofi Kingston's Royal Rumble spot, but with weapons. People always want more, but when they were created, thumbtacks were the next thing. As much as I love hardcore matches, I worry. I worry no one will stop to think that no one will put things into perspective. Take this article both as a celebration of innovation and a warning. Let's not cheer to too much carnage. Remember every single thumbtack that has to be pulled out after. No. I don't know about all that. God. That's the history of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those just seem like very microscopic STD pointers getting ready to happen. <laughs> I mean, damn. I don't know. I never really thought about it because it seems so commonplace there for so long. But mm, I don't know, man. Would you let someone slam you on thumbtacks? Mm, Hello? I'm here. Uh, no. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> you had to think that long about it. Oh, yeah. Well, think about it. I mean, you know what? Okay, if you had two choices, would you rather be slammed on thumbtacks or Legos? Uh, Legos. <laughs> okay, I'm sure you say that now. But think about it. You can't stack thumbtacks up, so. <laughs> You're right. All I know is, man, I, my son has a room full of them, and they're just as deadly, so I don't, I don't care to know. What that. wrestler do you think has the best win loss record in the history of ever? <laughs> you think gold? Uh, God, dude, that's terrible. Why would you ask me that? Let me check. Um, did they have to have a certain number of matches under their belt to be considered into this? I don't know. Uh, Bill Goldberg has two hundred and forty-eight career wins and thirty-one losses in the WCW. Technically, he has 213 wins and 24 losses, which is crazy. Well, and then my favorite loss that he ever had is when he got cattle prodded in the chest. 
<laughs> Do you remember that one? To end the streak. Yeah. I think I'm yes. Razor, Razor Ramon did it, correct? Scott Hall came out of nowhere. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, I thought it was Wolfpack. No, dude, that's when, you know, that's when the outsiders got back together, man. And Scott Hall came out there and like he, it was legit because like you seen the sparks fly out of that thing. Unless the voltage was turned down, he straight up got cattle prodded for like eight minutes. Like it would look like eight seconds. Like he, cause he was like stuck there shaking. And I was like, who the hell agreed to that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know. That's so Goldberg's the answer. No, I, I, I just one of the options that I thought it could be. That's to be answered in a future episode, though. Good. Yeah, it might have to be multiple, uh, multiple answers, like you know, multiple questions or whatever you say. Because yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not gonna Google it. I'm just I'm not oh, let it. You know, wrestlers kinda. with highest winning win percentages. Here we go. Uh, it's loading, loading, loading. But don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Come on. You must have some real banging internet, bro. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just the goddamn. Uh, I got, I got, I got the top five right here. Is this database? Is it profightdb.com? Yes. Yeah, it's not going to load for you. I guarantee you. What is it? What is what? Is it not loading for you either? No. <laughs> oh, is it just broken? It's a broken link, bro. But at least it gives you, at least on Google, it gives you the first five, like as an intro into. Okay, what's the first I mean, one? I, I think you fucked up my internet. What's the first <laughs> like five? A, uh, oh. I got a brewski. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, the gimmick's name, like about Goldberg's second. The first one says his name, his wrestling name is Igotta, I-G-O-T-T-A, last name Brewski. What the <laughs> and fuck? I, and he's had only 60 total matches with a win percentage of 83.33333%. Okay. But you wouldn't know these first you know, one of these first four wrestlers. Okay. But you got 60 matches, 299 matches, 77 matches, and 136 okay. for an 83, 82, 81, 80%. Like, who's El Torito? That sounds like things you put in the, in the oven and eat, like taquitos. <laughs> <laughs> so you got El Taquito Torito over here with 80%. Uh, you got Josh Barnett, which I'm pretty sure is like Josh Harnett. Is that? No, probably not the same guy. Um, Josh Barnett. This is saying the Ultimate Warrior has the highest win percentage. What? This one says like if you were, Ultimate Warrior, yeah. Suka, Mill, Mascaras, I got a Brewski, <laughs> Goldberg, <laughs> Josh Barnett, El Torito, Masca, Mascarita, Sagrada, Black Pearl, Fred Ottoman, Carrie Von Erich, Chili Willie, John Cena, Robert Hill, <laughs> Alistair Black. Raymond, Rogel, Mojo, Raleigh, Bruno, San Martino, Dino, Bravo, Bailey, and Lars Sullivan. Brock Lesnar's up there with a 71. Well, yeah, duh. Dude, I'm looking. Oh, my God. I need to send you this link. This is a WWF 1997 through 2013 winning percentages. It gives you like the biggest Excel spreadsheet breakdown of any wrestler that wrestled during that time period. You could t- It will tell you the highest win percentages for ECW. Taz. 
Oh, well, fuck yeah. I would hope so. I mean, dude, that's that's a gimme. Uh, Sabu is up there, too. Uh, well, ECW, man, when they push their top talent, I, yeah, I can't Perry see Perry Saturn's up there. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, he was great until he went to the WWEF, whatever. Yeah. So uh, until, they gave, until they gave him a mop. Yeah, he was actually a George good Gonzalez has the highest amount of wins in WCW. Who? George Gonzalez. Is that like George Lopez's dad? Like what? Who's that? <laughs> George Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Who I, else does he what go the by? Fuck was his gimmick? Oh, El wait, Gigante. George. El Gigante. Oh, that's the giant Gonzalez. I didn't even know he wrestled in WCW. Yeah, he has the highest win. Wow. Uh, over Goldberg. Uh, Ron Simmons is third. PN News is fourth. Ultima Dragon fifth, and Sting is sixth. Wow. Tank well, here's what's weird. So yeah, here's why. Here's what I didn't know is that the Giant Gonzalez wrestled in WCW before WWF. I didn't know that. Oh, really? He wrestled for three years uh, in there, and then he only wrestled for the one year in the World Wrestling Federation with his giant, like hairy man suit. So hairy man and then he suit. Went to- Ooh. You remember that when he dressed up as like against the Undertaker and he was all like, looked like the Wolfman. Oh, okay. But he was like, <laughs> oh, they have TNA Short. stats in here too. Let's see who cares about that bullshit. Oh, I do. Uh, TNA stats are it's loading. <laughs> they, they ha- they've had such weird talent. Davey Richards and the second is Chavo Guerrero, Rob Van Dam, <laughs> Monty Brown, and Jeff Hardy. Bobby Lashley's up there and he's barely been in the company that long. EC3's been up there and he's a relatively young talent. Well, and all those people aren't even there anymore. So yeah. that's crazy. But they're all still currently wrestling for the most part. Wow. If they just would have kept all their good their good wrestlers, they would have a cool organization, but they can't keep well, it. Well, they they did, man, with Dixie Carter around, but you know, then everyone Jeff Jarrett started getting involved and Hulk yeah. Hogan. Like, I don't know. They just had too many people trying to get involved and now it's and now by it's, the Smashing it's a joke. Pumpkins, so <laughs> it's it's a joke now. I can't watch that shit. It looks so like house show ish from like the Memphis area, like a bunch of D list, you know. I can't even tell you what the hell's going on there anymore. AJ Styles has one of the highest win percentages in Ring of Honor. Oh, Ring of Honor, yeah. For so sure. does Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan. Joe, 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 Joe. He's a badass. Well, that's why everyone that's why they all got picked up, man. AJ took way too long. Well, he was buried under the TNA thing for so damn long. He was re- he was like a Big part of TNA though for the longest. Oh time. yeah, with his little uh, choppy, you know, eight-year-old haircut, and yeah, <laughs> that's like how my son cuts his hair now. You know. Well, I think that's all we have for today, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Jerk the Curtain podcast, and stop in next week, no, or the week after. We don't know yet. You'll just get a notification if you subscribed, and just remember hit the subscribe button and tune in whenever. And listen to our wonderful voices talk about wrestling whenever. Wrestling. Wrestling. (laughs) But TJ Bowser, the host of the most, signing off. Corey Kaufman, your Mid-South Maniac, signing off, guys.